Round one, fight. Heroes never die. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. <laughs> I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow in the knee. Power, sex, sex, power. They both come down to one thing. Hungry Gamers. Hello, 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 and welcome everyone to the 303rd episode of the Hungry Gamers podcast. We are powered by 8 and those sexy audio-based legends over at audiotechnica.com. I'm your extremely humble host, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan8Bit. And joining me today, the Zenyatta to my Lucio, my podcast writer die. You can find her on them socials at Miss Ali Hart. Miss Ali Hart, how the bloody hell are you? Oh, that's a bad high note. Tranquility. <laughs> Let's break it down. <laughs> that's that's how you get tinnitus. <laughs> I I do not want to get tinnitus, but uh, we're back. We're back in the virtual home studio here. It's been a couple of weeks. Uh, I was on sabbatical last week with Pax, and you were off doing all kinds of funky, cool stuff and mm-hmm. making the tastiest cocktails in the land. Damn right. But we're back to talk gaming. And culture and everything else in between here, but uh, Miss Hart, it's been a it's been a good week. It's been a whirlwind of a week for us in, in a lot of same but different ways. Shout out mm. to everybody that I was fortunate enough to cross paths with at PAX last week. It was so great to see y'all. Very it's been jealous. a long time coming, so it was a great time. I'm very appreciative of everyone I got to, to catch up with, take photos with, have a drink with, have a bite with, have a laugh with, have a cry with in some states. But uh, it was a good time. And I just also wanted to quickly shout out to everybody that's, that's messaged me this week regarding a uh, little Bentley just to check in and see how he's going. He's doing really, really well. Didn't need surgery. The stubborn little caramel wombat is just living his best life. He's Aww. medication free now, roaming around, strutting his little butt. And um, we're, we're not fully out of the woods, but it feels like we're on the right track. So... For everyone that I haven't given a proper update to, just wanted to say thank you for all the concern. He loves all the positive messages and the little bear is doing well. Oh, it's great news. It's always, always, you know, a bit harder when the little pups are, you know, not feeling their best. But, mm. yeah, I'm glad. Oh, little Ben's doing good. He is. He's, he's a tough little unit. And I think um he's been, uh, been sort of getting propped up a little bit this week too by the fact that we've both been collectively playing not in the same lobby just yet, but that might change no, today. Either. But we've jumped on in, obviously, Overwatch 2, the free-to-play sequel to the original Overwatch, is now out in full force. There was some mm. server issues on day one, which is to be expected. But since then, it feels like it's gotten a lot better, and I've jumped in this week. And I don't know how many years it's been since I've played a game of Overwatch. I'd say at least three, maybe four to five. I don't know. It feels like a long time, a long, long time. I was lucky enough. I played the beta, so yeah. not not as long for me. Yeah, but it feels just like riding a bike. It feels very familiar straight away, but also new enough to feel a little different. A lot of the characters still feel great. There's been some buffs and nerfs to certain ones that I was used to or not so used to now, but it's really great. It's very pretty. The game is stunning. It's got a lot of polish. The characters are all great and very diverse, and... You've got your certain type of role archetype there, depending on if you want to, you know, tank, DPS, or heal slash support. But I've been really enjoying my time jumping back on into Overwatch 2. My my accounts were merged successfully, very seamlessly, which oh, I was good. very impressed by. So I've got all my skins, all my characters, very happy. And um, 
it's been fun. It's been fun to sort of park a little bit of Fortnite and Apex and stuff and, and jump into something that's similar but also very different. Yeah, it's it, like it's very, very similar. Um, it's interesting though, like coming back to a lot of your characters and like I kind of just went gun-ho loading into Overwatch just being like, yeah, I've played this before. I know what I'm doing. And I'm, then I was just sitting there just like looking at my buttons going I've completely forgotten everything I for- I kind of forgotten like the rhythm of like certain characters like kind of what combos kind of work out and stuff like that so it it, it took some time um I haven't really been able to play um Junkrat a lot because we now have this option of um you know, saying which characters or which, like, you know, are you going to play support? Are you going to play tank? Are you going to play DPS? And it just seems like no one wants to play support. So <laughs> we've been running, running a lot of support characters lately. So Zenyatta, you know, throwing balls at your head, doing the best that I can, <laughs> healing y'all. Zen's such a great character. Like the fact really that is. he can, he can heal well, but he can do mad damage too. That's what I like about Zenyatta is that you can kind of like heal a person like on the fly while also kind of throwing some damage out there as well. Like I think it's very versatile. And then if you hold your ultimate, which is just this, you know, aura of healing, and then you just kind of like run around in a circle around everyone to get them covered, especially when like someone's done a massive ult, like a Divas one for starters, it's very, very helpful. So that's why Zenyatta is my support main. I just... I just think the character is much more versatile when it comes to support. Yeah, I, I sort of got similar thought processes. Like I play a lot of Lucio because, yeah, he's got a nice passive heal that's just you get close to someone and it's just going to heal them organically. But you've still got your your little sonic boom sound wave mm-hmm. gun that you can do damage with so you can actually fight for a little bit as well. And then I've started playing Moira, which she's oh. got like the, the orbs, the healing orb and then the damage orb and... She can do some mad damage, but also some good healing as well. So I like that I can sort of be on a front line or in a pocket of a tank heal, but also sort of do a good amount of damage and feel like I'm helping the cause in that way too. Yeah. So I've been playing with those two a little bit. I also um, tried Kiriko. I want to try and get good with her, but she's she's a little above my comprehension at the moment regarding her. Like, like she's got that Moira type where one trigger is attack, one trigger is heal. She's got a nice teleport, which can go through walls to get you to your teammates, which is great. But oh. I haven't perfected her aiming with her kunai yet. I'm, I'm a bit hit and miss with those things because you can get mad crits with headshots, but uh, I don't get them often enough. There's some people that are already really good as her as a victim of being absolutely sniped by her. It um, seems like a good versatile character, as um, a lot of people seem to be enjoying. I just, I'm at this stage right now where I'm not risking playing as new characters. I get this, I get this like weird anxiety with Overwatch where I'm like, I can't let the team down. I really need to like make sure I'm bringing my A game. So I kind of get a little bit anxious about um, how my gameplay is, like how, you know, how I'm performing. So it's it's only something I've been experiencing with Overwatch, which is crazy. Anxiety playing a game? <laughs> I think it's the subsequent chat that comes through between rounds or after rounds because we're playing great. Benny and I had a couple of games where it was just him and I together and we were sort of doing a dual support role and it worked really well. But then 
Uh, later on in the week, I think we had uh, like four fifths of a full stack playing, so we had a good crew. But then the fifth guy was, you know, just Johnny or Jane Rando dropping in. Mm-hmm. And some of the toxicity that come through in the chat, whether it be from that fifth person or the team you're playing against, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember this now. I remember these fucking shit kickers oh. that are jumping in here and throwing smack and swearing and abusing people for no reason. And I'm like, yeah, that's the gross part. Oh, see, I turned, I turned that off a long time ago. I, I probably I, need to I, do that. <laughs> I removed all possibility of anyone contacting me. Like, you know, that's what the ping's for. That's what the communication's for. Like... Yeah, if you if we need to talk, we can talk that way. Um, I don't want to hear or read like any of the toxicity that kind of comes through. So I think my experience has probably been a lot better than most people in that regard. I'm sure there's someone swearing at me and telling me I'm crap, but I, whatever. Like I I can't hear it. I can't see it. It doesn't bother me. Yeah, couldn't hear it luckily, but saw it on the screen. And it's just like oh, oh, <laughs> why you gotta be like that? And it's like. It's just that sort of teenage angsty bullshit. You know, you see it in all these games, the things they either spit at you through voice or through text. And it's just like, that's really mean, but also fuck you. (laughs) So I need to disable that too, because I don't need that noise in my life. I'm kind of hoping I start getting to that really ridiculous old age where they're, I'm sure that they've got some interesting lingo, which are insults now, but because it's just so obscure to me i'm like i can't tell if they're insulting me or what so it doesn't bother me anymore (laughs) is that an insult i wouldn't know (laughs) (laughs) but overall the game feels great controls really smooth it's really polished like blizzard have done well with this and the free-to-play model best term but (laughs) oh yeah well i think like from a from a graphical standpoint and even just the general sounds like the all the all the weapons in the attack sounds great the little subtle sort of soundtrack in the back that you know varies depending on the map you're on and i just like the the tiny little quality of life improvements and just the nothing um graphical changes to some of the maps where you can sort of smash through little bits of fence or damage walls and stuff like just little little tiny nods like that that don't really change the gameplay but just shows that they've just added a little bit more polish but uh yeah it's it's fun I'll, i'll certainly be keeping this in the rotation for a little while, especially if you can get some people to play with you. I don't want to play this game by myself ever, but uh, if That's I could play with doing. friends, yeah. I've been, playing, I've been running solo. I've been running solo. It's kind of hard to kind of tee up time with people in different time zones kind of thing. So I've been running solo or my husband joined me in a few games kind of thing. And so then it seems like we're both running support. <laughs> um but yeah, it's 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 been a decent experience. So for anyone that doesn't like the the toxicity attached, just turn it off. Just go into socials and just like turn off like both the in-game chat, in-game voice audio, and all that sort of stuff, and just get rid of it. It's it's definitely a better experience. I'm doing that straight after this podcast. I want to turn that off because I do not need that noise in my life. I just want positive vibes when I'm overwatching. So. Mm. Super fun though, can't speak highly enough of it. If you want to roll around with some with us in a couple of rounds, feel free to reach out because uh, yeah, always looking for some other squad mates because I'm not brave enough to play by myself. So yeah. Um, something else that I've been playing and sadly you've had some, some network issues and weren't able to make it happen uh, mm. overnight before the potty. So we're going to deep dive on this sucker next week. But I just wanted to say, I reckon I'm about two thirds of the way through Scorn. Uh, the mm-hmm. the hit that's just dropped or 
potential hit that's just dropped overnight on Xbox, available also through Xbox Game Pass for Xbox as well as PC. Uh, you know, this is a game that we've been talking about on and off for years. It's been on our collective radars for a long time because it just blends a lot of our favorite genres and things from the broader uh, gaming and, and pop culture communities together into this one creepy, twisted melting pot. And um, boy, howdy, is that melting pot creepy and twisted, Miss Hart? Like, it's great. Um, there's no hand holding. That's that's a big adjustment oh, and a good. bit jarring. There's nothing. There's there's like there's no voice lines. There's no mini map. There's no quest points. There's no hints. It just drops you into this twisted, living, repulsive squirmy liquidy squelchy world and just says find the end whatever that end is who knows but Mm -hmm. find it somehow so it just drops you in and you just explore and feel creepy and unnerved and grossed out and intrigued and i love it like it's been very divisively reviewed there's Mm. scores that range you know from just a one to ten scale there's scores from outlets at like a three then there's some up in the nines. I think the the sweet spot from what we can see, Miss Hart's maybe about a seven. I think As maybe a, is the well, most common. Yeah, it, but I think the problem is, is like you said, it's a very diverse like range of reviews. Where some people were like, yeah, no, I like I really really enjoyed it. There's other people that are sitting in the middle, um, and then there's people that just really did not like it. Um, I feel, but I feel like this game was always going to have quite, um, a mix of opinions. Um, full disclosure, I'm trying to stay away from reviews. I don't want any of those opinions kind of forcing their way into my head before I Mm -hmm. play it. Um, I'd like to just kind of go in and experience it myself. Um, about the only thing that I did read consistently was the runtime. A lot of people are reporting that it only takes about five hours to play. Um, so at least me getting around to playing it won't take too long. Mm. Depends uh, on how good you are with puzzles though too, Miss Hart, because some of these puzzles, like there, there's some thinking that needs to go into it. And there's also, because there's no map, you've got to try and remember where certain things are. So there may be some backtracking or running around trying to find the next steps or the next thing for puzzles. So if, you, if you've got a nice puzzle-oriented mind, that five mm-hmm. hours could be could be on the money but it could go a couple of hours extra beyond that if there True. is some ones because I, I got stumped on one because i just missed a key piece and i was looping around this area for ages stumbled across what i needed to eventually but um. it's great and it's creepy yeah so 72 on metacritic that's based off 53 critic reviews at the moment so you know 72 i think that's still a, a solid score it's, it's not bad. It's not bad. The problem is, in Metacritic, I think it runs into the yellow at that stage. Yes. So it doesn't yep. doesn't look as good as the green. Yeah, yeah. So there's four in the red, thirty two in the green, and then seventeen in the mixed. So. Do you think your opinion would have changed if you had to like pay for this one, if it wasn't a little bit? Pass? Yeah, like because it's yeah. um on the on the Xbox storefront here in Australia, it's. 50 bucks, I think. I can't remember mm. if it was 49.95 or 59.95. So let's say it's 50 to 60 bucks. If it's 50, then that's a dollar an hour. No, mm. it's not. That's $10. <laughs> Fucking whoa. <laughs> but whoa. you know what? $10 an hour, I've spent more on less, to be honest, regularly. So, you know, 50 bucks to get a full experience. You know, that's the equivalent. Let's just say I've gone to the cinema twice. That's, you know, maybe 50 bucks, two science movies. And that's giving movies. yourself credit that you're smart enough to get the puzzles yeah so which not always is the case but uh it's really fun ebb software this studio out of serbia that i've never heard of until this game come along 
uh, you can see that there's a lot of love and they they live and breathe this, you know, H.R. Geiger type of art style and universe. And there's a lot of care and attention to detail in these in this world that they've created. Like it's gorgeous and it's stunning, but in all the wrong ways. And yeah, I can't wait to talk to you about it in more detail. I don't want to go into too much specifics of now course. because I think it'll be funner to talk about together once you've uh, experienced this world. But uh, course, yeah. It's fun and it's very unlike anything I've played so far this year. So uh, if you've got Game Pass and you're looking for a little bit of a breather between Overwatch 2 rounds or something like that, <laughs> get Scorn in and around your eyeballs and ear holes and just feel creeped out in all the best ways. Yeah, if you don't like getting your ears molested by toxic people on Overwatch, just go play Scorn and get a different kind of uh, ear assault. Yeah, oh my God. So many, so many phallic objects, so many, so many oh. penises and penis-like sculptures and structures and Ooh. you'll see. Yeah. Wow. There's certainly, certainly a love of the shaft in this game. And you know what? It's, I'm, I'm here for it. Uh, other things I'm really here for, really quick helicopter overview, She-Hulk finale and Rings of Power finale aired this week. Both phenomenal. The She-Hulk finale was a little uneven in my opinion in parts. Rings of Power finale though. Hit it out of the park. Can't wait for the second season of both of those. I've got such a crush on She-Hulk, it's not funny. She's she's one of my favorite people of this year or characters of this year that sort of popped up in 2022. And um, yeah, Jen slash She-Hulk, can't get enough of it. You haven't watched either of those or you, you've really off I've the watched, reservation? I've watched like one episode of She-Hulk and didn't really care for the tone. Um, and then Rings of Power was just very boring for me, so I stopped watching that. The one I do want to actually watch is the Game of Thrones one. Like House that of sounds, yeah, it sounds like there's been a lot of messed up stuff on there. That sounds like you know that's actually entertaining. So, um, I really need to get on that one. But you really um, do. You really. I think it's. I think it's the seventh or eighth episode just aired of House of the Dragon. Somewhere around there. Like we're getting to the back end of season one of that too, and it's the stakes are getting set. Like it's like a house of cards. This thing. Like they just. It's all going to come down eventually, and death and debauchery and everything else in between will be in and around your face in that show as well. And it's great. It's really yeah. really good. Hmm. Yeah. So I kind of. That's the one I probably want to watch the most out of all this. Oh, and I'm a bit conflicted because Andor, like I watched the oh, first episode. Yes. First episode is really boring to me. First two episodes, this was my, this is my like watch history of Andor. I watched the first because they dropped three back to back to back. I watched the first two, but I wasn't paying full attention. So I had to go back and rewatch the second episode because I missed some things. But after that, from three onwards, it builds nicely. And this week's episode is some of the best Star Wars I've seen in a long, long, long time. And that's why it's back on my radar because I saw that it had like a lot of people were reviewing it like a nine out of ten episode kind of thing. So technically that doesn't mean too much. But like I'm like, okay, I'm curious. Like I know that I'm an impatient viewer of a lot of things. Um, so, you know, if I if it doesn't grab me in the first episode or the first like 30 minutes or hour of something, like I kind of just go, no, nah, I don't have time for this. If you, you know, If you don't have me now, you'll never have me. But... Sometimes I guess I just have to push through, but I just think that's bad. Isn't that bad TV? Like if you're, if your establishing episode is boring, I don't know, but yeah, they, they lent heavily into the world build and 
padding out a lot of these characters that are, I guess, that's, lesser known. And that, that's, I think, what bore, like, really, really bothered me about that first episode is just that, like, a lot of nothing kind of happened and I'm like, I, you know what, I just, I'm getting exhausted in Star Wars content and I'm just like, I'm starting to just not care anymore. Mm. And it's, it's sad because I'm I sure there's, like, to... a lot of great stories out there and some fantastic um, actors, but... You, you, you definitely need to jump back on the speeder for this one and, and give it another crack because, yeah, after those first two, I'm completely with you. It was a little bit, um, I wasn't completely feeling it at the time, but then mm. from three onwards, it just builds and builds and builds and the stakes get raised and raised and raised. And then this last episode is just, mm. and if you, re- if you enjoyed Rogue One, it's starting to hit those same highs and those same beats and it's just great. And just very unlike the rest of Star Wars that we're, we're used to now. You know, there's no lightsabers mm. and there's no Skywalkers. It's just great space espionage. And it really starts to starts to sing in these last few episodes. Well, maybe I'll have to give it another go. Yeah, give it a crack. But something that we both gave a crack this past week is the 2022 remake of Clive Barker's cult classic throughout the 80s, 90s and beyond. We're talking about Hellraiser. So uh, mm. I caught this. It's on Hulu. I caught this on Binge of all places, I think. And you've obviously oh. got it on Hulu. So it didn't end up on Disney. Sadly, we didn't get to go from like Andor to Hellraiser. Mm. But uh, what's what's your thoughts on uh, Hellraiser? We'll just say 2022. So I actually never watched a Hellraiser movie, really. Um I know I've stumbled across like midway through maybe a Hellraiser 4 or one of the later ones and it did seem a bit ridiculous with like Power Ranger style effects in there. Uh, so I, it always kind of seemed a bit like wacky for me to be um, you know, getting into with Hellraiser and such. So um, my husband recently read the book, the 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 story that um, kind of – yeah, the, the Hellbound Heart or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he actually said the book was great. Um, and I think he enjoyed the first movie maybe. So when we saw that this was coming out, I was like, well, hang on, well, what, uh, maybe I'll watch it. Um, it's going to be a retelling, like it's kind of uh, um, reestablishing the story, the narrative and everything like that. It's not paying homage to the previous ones. Um, so I'm like, okay, I this is this might be a good you know, spot to kind of – to watch Hellraiser instead of watching the previous ones. And there's a lot that I like about it. There's a lot that I like about it. There's a lot of cool elements in this movie and the concept that like these evil beings and it's not hell, is it? It's not, it's not hell. Like the existence that they get dragged into yeah, it's sort of just like another dimension and, and um, it's hard to say. Like, I don't know what the naming of what it is as far as like, like it's like, because they're all, they're all governed by this thing called the Leviathan, which is, you know, I guess the God of Gods. So all mm. the Cenobites are stuck um, under the rule of, of this Leviathan in this almost like dream state, like other parallel universe, you could kind of say maybe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> like... Yeah, there was just like a lot of like cool elements, but I guess my review of this movie is is that it just took way too long to get to the good part. Um, I think it's, it took about 40 minutes before we really got into the nitty-gritty of it. Um, but like then the second that we – Cenobites, is that what they're called? Yeah, yeah. The, when we started like 
seeing these Cenobites and then start like seeing their, you know, their attacks and their like, you know, mannerisms and how they all were different and how um, Pinhead, like Pinhead was great. Um, I only know a little bit of the original Pinhead and I believe like that character became pretty iconic. So the Mm -hmm. fact that that this was being redone again, um, I know that was pretty controversial, but um, I, uh, what's her name? Jamie something. Yeah, Jamie Clayton. I thought she I thought she did great. I thought that the character was still wonderfully haunting, scary, but also intelligent, um, very engaging. And like when we started seeing more of Pinhead, that that is when I was interested in the movie and then it really caught me on. So I would say that I actually enjoyed like the last half of it maybe, maybe even a little bit further. Like that's when to me it like that's when it actually got really, really good. I didn't really like any of the establishing um details on the essentially the main character you were following who like finds the Yeah, um, it's Riley. Yeah, the puzzle. Yeah. So so there's a story where, yeah, this recovering drug addict and her partner boyfriend i don't know what they are i don't know what you classify that relationship to be they find this puzzle box which when, when you open it unlock it, it it you know attracts and brings the cenobites into into reality and yeah there's there's certain things that come off the back of that where they're they're very much like a a, a pleasure-based group of humanoids you could say the cenobites and they will grant your wish if you ultimately um, manage to to sort of work out the final puzzle for this box because it's got certain evolutions and if you can get there you can make a wish of anything but as is sort of the the monkey paw style of, of those wish givings it comes with ramifications but mm. yeah they're very sadistic snm dominatrixy in in the original movies they were like heavily like wrapped in leather and stuff. They fully yeah. lent into that S and M world. Where in this one, they've taken all that away and said it's just more. They're making their costumes out of their own flesh in a way. You know, they're, yeah. they're tearing it out and like they look great. The Cenobites, they look really cool and creepy and unsettling. But I'm with you. Like they sort of slow burn the arrival of them, and then when you do see them for two thirds of the movie, you see them in glimpses in the shadows and silhouettes of them. And it's very haunting and looks great, but maybe if they got a few of them to the forefront a little earlier, it probably would have changed a little bit more Uh, because when you do see them, it's great. There's some real hero moments on the screen with them. You're like, Whoa, they look brilliant. And yeah, Jamie Clayton as pinhead, like, yeah, so they've sort of brought her in. I wish they didn't sort of, uh, enhance her voice so much. They put so many like synths and and effects on I her didn't voice. Mind it. I didn't mind it. I think that's what made it like hauntingly like like it, it was it was captivating. Like she and like Pinhead's meant to be like this like priest, right? This priestess or priest of the Leviathan. Yeah, yeah. So she, he or she's yeah the the high priest of of the of the Leviathan and the leader of the Cenobites. But like Doug Bradley, who used to play pin it up until now they didn't really enhance his voice it was just just his voice and his presence and he was really great in that role had some really cool like monologues and and discussions throughout some of the movies but yeah jamie clayton she did really well she's very imposing on the screen and when she did speak it was great but yeah just i think that was a bit jarring for me going from hearing doug's normal voice for lack of a better term to this more synth synthesized uh jamie clayton but 
it's really cool. Some of the some of the death scenes and some of the gore like were a little bit like, ooh, that's a bit bit gross and a bit sort of skin crawling. Um, mm. Pardon the pun, but um, I really enjoyed it, and and I'm I'm looking forward to no doubt eventual sequels because from what I can gather, it's been getting reviewed really well, and there's there's a lot of people watching it. So I think there's been a bit of an appetite for for Hellraiser, and, and we'll probably get more of it in the future, which I'm not at all sad about. Yeah, like it's it's kind of middle of the board review wise. It seems like uh, like some people enjoyed it for what it was. Some people are not happy with it, kind of thing. The only thing that I can take away from watching it is that um, I kind of hope that now that we've now the groundwork has kind of been established on like okay, what's the puzzle? Why is it used? What you know, like like especially considering the wishes that you can ask of the Leviathan is like set to certain statements like there's like certain like statements or words that can relate to your wish yeah and there was was like sacrifice and um i can't remember them all now yeah there's i think it was like seven or something of them like but there was there was yeah and it was like what you want what you wanted out of it too love um, pleasure, pleasure. Yeah. Um, power, like all that sort of stuff. So you, you can have a wish, a wish based on those like results or whatever. Um, and so the way that I'm thinking is that now we've seen one person go through it. I assume that the next one will kind of explore that again, but we won't have to do a lot of the groundwork, a lot of everything that's being established and we can get back to just like the nitty gritty and the, the grossness and the the horror instead of like, oh, this person's life sucks. Oh, so sad. Like, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just, just, just jump straight into the mess and the grossness and the, the creepiness and the, the gore. Yeah. That's yeah. why we're they, all here. They did, um, I haven't watched like the original films for quite a while, but I don't think they ever really went too heavily too often in the lore as far as the box and how it works so it's kind of sort of cool that they took some time to explain that which i enjoyed mm. but yeah hopefully i don't have to do that and revisit that every single time with future exactly sequels. yeah respect the viewer's time i think is moving forward you know let's see what happens with the Cenobites. let's see what happens with the next person that stumbles across the puzzle box and uh what kind of atrocities await and uh hopefully we get to see the chatterer again with his uh little teeth doing that was time. cool. That yeah. was that one was cool. I also liked the I don't know what the um Cenobite's name was, but the lung one. Yeah. Like that was great, <clears throat> especially like yeah. There was there's like a scene and it was like it's like mostly darkness and then you hear it and I'm like, that would freak me out, like just hearing that noise. So Yeah, there were some really cool moments throughout the movie where there was like some ooh, some like gross out or freak out or really unsettling moments and the practical effects were on point. Like they, they, they didn't do a ton of CG. It was mostly practical and prosthetics and stuff, which is a testament. I don't know what um, production team was involved from the effects standpoint, but whoever you were, hat tip to you people because uh, it looked fantastic and creepy and gross in all the right ways. Yeah. Like actually, yeah, that's definitely something that they deserve credit. Um, I don't think at once it looked cheap. I think they actually did very well with that, even like with the CG and um, when they these characters were in like very um, normal spaces, like a bathroom or something like that, and then the the space gets converted into this you know alternative universe or slash hell or whatever that they want to call it. Um, I, even that was really really well done. 
Um, so I actually do give the team credit for that. That looked pretty damn good. Mm. Yeah, no, I was, I was, I was happy. Like I haven't watched Hellraiser in a long time. The first time I ever watched these movies, my mum showed them to me when I was far too young and it scared the bejesus <laughs> out of me. Went back and watched them in my, my later years, enjoyed them. Well, enjoyed some of them. Cause I think this is the 11th movie in the franchise now, which is, is insane. Really? <clears throat> some of them very, very forgettable, but the first few great, I'm excited to see where they do, where they take this this world into the future because I'd say they're going to go back to this well again for sure. Yeah, I, I hope so because I do want more of it. But yeah, I just want more of the cool stuff. <laughs> mm, yeah, but uh, I'm happy. I'm happy you've enjoyed it for the most part. I'm happy you can appreciate where it could go potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Any, anything else you want to mention as far as what we've been doing this week or should we start rocking and rolling into the main meat and potatoes of THG 303? Let's see them taters. Taters. This week's news headlines. God, now I'm thinking about nice roast potatoes, crispy with a bit of sea gems. salt. Oh, got potato God. gems. Potato gems are so, so underrated. They're one of my favorite ways. Like if you chuck that into like the chip ecosystem, it's one of the tops for me. Yeah, it's it's up there. But for me, it's like a breakfast thing. Like, there's a certain hour I can't eat t- like tater tots. I can't eat. I don't like. I can't, don't think I can eat them like after twelve. Oh really? See, they, I, they, I have they them sit for in a breakfast happily. category. Nah, they sit in like a breakfast category for me. Oh, any like any time snack for me. Mm. Anyway, we'll discuss taters and more hash race related details in in future offshoots, no doubt. Yeah. All right, first quick hitter. FIFA 23 has set record-breaking figures during its first week, according to EA, amassing over 10.3 million players in comparison. Last year's FIFA 22 racked up over 9.1 million players in its first 10 days after its launch. So people will be thirsty for the the global game, soccer or football, depending on where you are in the world. Uh, Does this have anything to do with Ted Lasso and his crew being in the game? Or maybe the the hype behind Welcome to Wrexham these yeah. days. But this is also the last named FIFA franchise in this entry too because obviously it's going to just go to like what EA football or something moving forward now because that uh, relationship is over. But 10.3 million, it's a, mil- like, it's a million people new a day for that first 10 days jumping in on this game. That's huge. Yeah. I mean, I'm always surprised by this, but that's only purely coming from the like aspect of a person that just doesn't play those games at all. So it's kind of like just someone on the outside looking in going like, oh, really? People play that? But I've said it before, like FIFA gamers, uh, FIFA gamers, like they're dedicated. So it's just, yeah. it's incredible to think that there's that many. 10.3. Yeah. Like it's, it's huge. It's, it's just a money, ma- money maker every year for, for EA <clears throat> and it'll never change. It's, yeah, this and COD are those two games seasonally oh, that will yeah. just drop and just sell without fail. But, uh, yeah, huge numbers. And the fact that it's up over 1.2 million um, from this time last year with the FIFA 22 numbers. But, yeah, let's let's see how much is that to do with now soccer. Like, it's a mainstream sport, obviously, but now it's blending into other other facets of, of mainstream society with... Ted Lasso and Welcome to Wrexham. You can't probably uh, discount that those two television shows had something to do with maybe getting some more eyes on this type of product. Yeah, got to be honest. Like America's interest in the sport has definitely started to see an increase. Like, um, 
it, it's obviously yeah being in mainline media probably really really helps um but yeah it's slowly 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 been getting its hooks into the american audiences and that's just another like <laughs> a lot of people to add to the gaming space so. mm-hmm. did mention what we've been doing but also watch the finale of welcome to Wrexham this week they dropped the yet. final three episodes it. i've got to watch it chef's kiss gotta watch it they better make more seasons of this show that's all i'm saying if they oh. don't i'm gonna be pissed i hope they do too i loved it it's so great i could not give a rat's ass about soccer or football but i care about it due to that show like, i love ted lasso don't get me wrong but I guess because it was a fictional world <laughs> where Welcome to Wrexham is based off real people. it's I'm finding real myself team, yeah. drawn to caring about this team. Will I ever watch their games? Probably not, but I like to feel like I'm following on through Welcome to Wrexham and that's enough for me. Yeah. All right, the next bit of news. Amplitude Studios has announced about the console, uh, regarding the console ports of Humankind have been delayed indefinitely. We've got a quote here that they dropped overnight. We have to share some sad news with you today. We and our partner Aspire Media have run into unexpected challenges in porting humankind to consoles and have to delay the release on PlayStation 4 slash 5, Xbox One and Xbox Series X slash S until further notice, end quote. Amplitude explained in a statement. Humankind was first released on PC and Google Stadia in August 2021. Console ports were announced back in June along with a second paid DLC called Cultures of Latin America. I was actually interested in playing this when it dropped on Xbox. It got a little bit of love at the most recent um, Xbox uh, showcase and it looked interesting, but the fact that it says delayed indefinitely is scary. Yeah, and then also saying that they're just having porting issues as well. Like that's, I don't know, like I don't know gaming, but I feel like that's pretty unique. Like like I usually assume that like streamlining is just as a few changes, but to say that, that it's, they've had unexpected um, challenges into porting it um, and now saying just until further notice, that's still, that's still a bit of gap time between when it was released on PC and Stadia. Mm-hmm. So forget. Mm. yeah, it's, it's interesting because you see a lot of these ports often not getting handled by the studio that made the like the original true. game yeah true. so maybe that's where the the stumbling block is is here where amplitude maybe don't have the tools or the expertise to to cut that across and scale it back from pc to to console so maybe they need to engage in one of those more port-based specialized studios to to get this done so that could be the delay but we'll see i'm still keen to give it a spin obviously i could play it on pc but mm. i want to play it on my xbox but we'll see We'll see. Uh, the next little quick hitter, Hasbro has announced that it is creating a Dungeons & Dragons documentary co-directed by Joe Manganiello and Kyle Newman. The untitled documentary will be released in 2024 to celebrate D&D's 50th anniversary and pull from more than 400 hours of early, never-before-seen footage of the game's creation in the early 1970s. Celebrity fans of the game will also feature in interviews. So this would be a fun watch, very insightful. I'm yeah. very... Um, oblivious to a lot of dnd i had no idea that it's been around for nearly 50 years that's awesome yeah that's huge like, there's a lot of history behind dnd but i i think this uh documentary would be really great especially if they also highlight all the uh the fear mongering that came along with um you know dnd and its connections into making kids like worship satan and all that kind of bs that kind of went on in its early stages um so uh Joe 
is a big D&D nerd. He's also a gorgeous-looking dude and married <sighs> one to of the best. one of the world's sexiest women. One of the sexiest couples on planet Earth. Gorgeous. Absolutely stunning. So it was always great to see that he was just a nerd deep down. Like, he'd been playing D&D since he was a kid, so that's great. Um, and also, Kyle Newman uh, directed Fanboys, um, which we have a comedy rewind. Jono did a comedy rewind mm-hmm. of Fanboys, I believe. So you Yeah, can just, always... just like a couple of months ago, I think. Yeah, so you can check that out. So so this is going to be a very nerdy but also very loyal to the subject without making a mockery of it. It's going to be pretty true to form, hopefully. So I'm um, looking forward to this because D&D has really been, you know, becoming ma- more and more mainstream. So Definitely. I-, I love that it's broken into the public eye in such a way. Like obviously things like uh, Stranger Things have certainly helped uh, elevate it, but then also we've got this new film with uh, Chris Pine and-, and the other cast that, escapes me right now and then we've also got things like um critical role like critical role dimension 20 off- yeah dimension 20 and then the offshoots now we've got the animated series on prime off the back of critical role like yeah. it's great to see these things that have been kept out of the main mainstream periphery for so so long jumping at the forefront and then this documentary will be great and like you said the the fear-mongering and the the cult satanist aspect that uh, hung around D&D for a long time. I hope they really explore that and sort of see see how the media perceived it and the general population perceived it in the 70s and 80s as far yeah. as a, a tool to the devil. Yeah. I mean, for some people it was. Hell, <laughs> <laughs> Satan! Or something. Yeah. All right, circling back to a game we've been both playing, but Blizzard has offered players double XP, a weapon charm, and a free skin to make up for Overwatch 2's rough launch. The developer apologised to its fans for the initial issues in a blog post and also announced that we'll run several double XP weekends for players to catch up after the game was often unplayable during its first week. For a number of days, Overwatch 2 was played with long queue times, controversial policies, and the removal of certain heroes. Anyone who logs in between October 25th and December 6th will be given a new legendary skin for Reaper, the Cursed Captain, alongside a health pack weapon charm. So that's fine. Like these Mm. big time launches, they're always ripe with issues. Like they can only plan and strategize to have so many concurrent players on at any given time. And that number seems to always then be doubled or tripled on launch day. Uh, I, I didn't play it at all during that first week. I tried to log in, I think on the Thursday morning just to maybe have a quick game to feel it out. And when I logged on, I was like 5,000th in the queue. So I'm like, okay, I will go shower and get ready to for, to start my day. Did all that, came back and then waited around. And I think in that sort of hour and a half wait time or whatever, I think I got down to 3,000. So I'm like, yeah, this, this is not happening today. So I just turned it off. So had that issue first week, but since then it's been fine. Been getting into games really quick. I... So I didn't do day off because I watched enough streams to see that it was a mess. Um, and then maybe the next day I loaded in later in the evening and eventually got in after being like number 3000 or something like that in queue. Um, I have still run into like weird kind of issues. Like the other day I was in a match, we were running, we were, you know, protecting a point and then the game just dropped and like went to a black screen. Then it loaded me with the same people into another match that was already started. And then it's dropped again and then put us into an identical match to the original that we got kicked out of. But we all went together. 
It wasn't like we all like dropped out one by one. It was like, no, as a group, the game just like picked us up, put us somewhere else that we'd already established, then picked us up from there and then put us back into another game. It was, and that was was just a rando group of five too. Like you weren't in a full stack. I wasn't, I wasn't in a stack with people. Like we were just a random group of people. And, um, yeah, we just, because you know some some of the names are quite interesting so it was always easy to remember like oh no you were you were with me in this game so Mm. yeah i haven't had any of those so far no doubt i'll experience that pain soon enough but uh yeah the cool thing is what in 10 days time at time of recording just log in get your legendary skin for reaper as well as a charm and then you've also got those double xp weekends to grind that battle pass have you dropped any money on the battle pass did you buy it no, because like I, I wanted to see what was on offer and exactly how uh, how progression worked and how fast it was. And right now I'm feeling it's a bit sluggish. I'm, I don't really feel like I'm getting the rewards for the amount of games and effort that I'm playing. And I don't want to be forced to buy a battle pass because of that. I don't want like the game to be like, we're just not going to reward you enough and that make you want to drop money. I want to feel the experience, a positive experience. So then I can say, you know what, this has been worth it. I will drop money. Mm. So, Do you think I have bought the battle pass? Yes oh, yes. Or no? Yes. Yes, you have. That is correct. But I didn't buy the one with the extra extra levels. I just bought the the standard thousand coin one, which I think costs eleven or twelve dollars Australian. But I did buy the battle pass because I'm a sucker. To be fair, I would really love the Reaper eating the cookie emote. Oh, it's great! It's but so at this stage, I haven't been able to really play the <laughs> character anyway, so it's useless. God, I've I've been getting ganked by a few good Reapers this week. Just popping up out of the shadows and then you hear the die, die, die. And I'm like, no. That's when you need me. That's it. I need Zen. Tranquility. <laughs> oh, God. But it's great to great to be back playing something fresh and, uh, yeah, looking forward to getting those full stacks rolling out and hopefully poning some noobs. But uh, the, noobs. the next bit of news, uh, ta- how, I've always, I'm never too sure how you pronounce it. Tag Hauer, I think that's how I've always called like tag, like the, the high-end watches you see typically attached to Formula One race car drivers and celebrities. Tag, tag yeah. Hauer, Tag Hua, I don't know. Let's call it Tag moving forward. But Tag and Nintendo are partnering up to bring the world what they've all been waiting for, question mark, two rather expensive watches. The first <laughs> is the standard chronograph, which is limited to 3,000 pieces. This watch features several Mario Kart references across its face, including icons of power stars and the like, where you would usually see the date showing up. Meanwhile, the Mario Kart logo can be seen etched on the back. The second watch unveiled is the Chronograph Torbillion model, which is limited to 250 pieces. This watch has a distinctive black polished ceramic bezel. Ooh, love that. And features a skeletonized tri-compax dial showcasing moving Mario Kart elements, which include a bullet bill. However, while these watches may be nice to look at, they do not come cheap, Miss Hart. The Chronograph will set you back three and a half thousand pounds. So we're talking maybe five thousand, five and a half thousand Australian. No, more than that, maybe six to seven thousand Australian. Yeah. While the Chronograph Torbillion model comes in at an eye-watering twenty-one thousand two hundred and fifty pounds or probably thirty-five thousand Australian dollars. 
Holy shit. I love a nice watch, but I would never spend that amount of money on a fucking Mario Kart watch in my life. This is one of those things where I just don't understand it. Like, like I'm never uh, one to drop a lot of cash because something's a brand. Um, and then also on this level where I'm like, I don't understand spending that kind of money for something that has been established, perfected at such a basic cost. Like, um, it, it just tells you the time and all the other little, you know, you know, little things that they stick in the, those kind of watch faces. But for the most part, it's just telling you the time. Why, why are you spending that much? Why are you spending a car on a watch? <laughs> It looks cute, but I just know I don't under I don't understand it. And you know what? If I'm going to be dropping that kind of cash, I want some bling. I want some. I want some sparkle. Mm. I don't see. I don't. Well, really bullet see. bill doesn't tickle the pickle there. That's enough bling for you. Well, it doesn't sparkle. <laughs> yeah, it you is. Know. They're understated, like aesthetically. Like tag make great watches, but like these watches, yeah, like. You see this on someone's wrist and go, holy shit, that's worth, like, you don't think that's worth a lot of money. Like, you think, okay, hey, that costs that's you a couple hundred dollars. Yeah, it's a watch. It's it's a collab with Nintendo. How expensive could this really be? And the answer, listeners, is very expensive because when you're looking at 3,500 euro for one of the baseline watch and then 21,000 for the other one, like, I know that there was only 3,000 pieces of one and then 250, so there is a bit of a elitist collectors club vibe to both of these but like if i met someone in the street wearing this watch i wouldn't go man i'm so impressed i'm like you're an idiot you could have bought so many nicer watches for that same price point that actually justifies the swag factor instead of seeing mario kart wahoo and his way around the watch wow. face like come on now i'm wearing a small computer as a watch right now that doesn't even cost like half of that like 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 this is like a small computer on my wrist mm-hmm. and like it it tells me how i sleep it tells me how my heart rate and my breathing is it, it tracks my fitness levels and tells me messages it also has a built-in walkie-talkie function like you know like this does a bunch of stuff and that to me is like i get the cost i get why this is a little computer on my wrist and so i still don't understand this stuff i know people have their things i know people have their collections and i know that people have just their their weird things that maybe they like to splurge in so obviously there is an element out there that someone understands why things cost this way but for me if i look at something and i can't tell the difference i just think that that's a bad investment yeah i agree like you look at these watches and go holy crap that's 30 odd thousand australian dollars worth of watch there i just look at that and go did you like did you win that at a claw like in a claw machine did you buy that at one of these like little bespoke Jewelry stores that seem to always have these weird collab items in there. If I like, saw that, I the most I would assume would be like two hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah, At and most. like, and on the top of Mario, you can put like a Mario face, like you could install a Mario face template on your watch. I have Wario with a coconut. It's there you uh, go. summertime Wario. He's my yeah, name. and that did not cost you twenty one thousand euros to it do. Did not. So there's a market for it. It's especially niche. I guess that's why there's only. You know, such limited numbers of this watch getting made. But I'd be very curious to know if they sell all these. Like the the reservations for ordering are open at time of recording. Uh, they'll be open still on the Monday when this episode drops. So if anyone does have a substantial amount of cash each laying around and need a fancy, obnoxious Mario Kart watch, you still probably got time to do it. Just uh, 
go to at Nintendo America and just search their tweets in there. They've dropped a tweet in there regarding <laughs> these watches and where you can link to do your order reserv- reserving from. But power yeah. to you if you get one. But if not, also power to you because it's probably the to play. If any of you listeners out there are a watch person and you get it, like if there's more to it that I'm just not understanding, let me know. Like go, jump in the Discord and just say, hey, guys, this is this is why the watch costs a lot. And, mm. you know, kind of deep dive a little bit and give, maybe give me a little bit of understandings. Maybe there is more to it that I'm just not getting. I'd yeah, like to know I'd, if there I'd was. I'd be curious. Yeah, I'd be curious too. Like there's, there's maybe something under the blue shell there that we're missing out on here. But mm-hmm. it's a lot of potatoes for uh for a very niche watch here but you know what they probably did enough market research to see that this is viable question mark i don't know (laughs) i have no idea and the last bit of news uh we're going to call this one call of duty they're going to be taking a break in 2023 so rather than launching a new call of duty title next year activision is reportedly planning to instead release a premium expansion including new, in air quotes, campaign content, end quote, for for Modern Warfare 2. Word of new paid campaign DLC for Modern Warfare 2 was initially shared by Call of Duty leaker The Ghost of Hope, who claimed it would arrive in the game's second year of life and would be bundled with a 20th anniversary greatest hits map pack containing classic maps from the original 2009 Modern Warfare 2, as well as maps from across the series. Following the Ghost of Hope's campaign DLC claims, Bloomberg's Jason Schreier stepped in to corroborate the news and he says, next year, Activision Blizzard will be selling new stuff for Modern Warfare 2, end quote, he wrote in a tweet. An expansion or something like that. Although Schreier admitted that he wasn't sure exactly what it'll look like, he claimed it would have campaign stuff too, end quote. The expansion will reportedly arrive in lieu of a main, a new mainline series entry for the Call of Duty in 2023. Schreier previously claimed next year will be the first time in just under two decades the core series skips an annual release after a recent entry in the series failed to meet expectations. While an Activision statement released in response to the earlier story failed to deny Schreier's claims, the publisher's subsequent Q2 2022 earnings report revealed it was planning new premium content for the Call of Duty ecosystem in 2023. So the first time in two decades, Miss Hart, we will not get a new entry or a remade entry in the Call of Duty universe. Instead, we will be getting some DLC for M-Dubs 2, which I'm not sad about. Even though we were just talking about, you know, FIFA and COD as sort of those two juggernauts year on year that yeah. generate the cash and get the gamers back, it feels like they're sort of slowing, the like taking their foot off the accelerator just a smidge, just to sort of reset the market. And it's probably a smart play because people will still probably turn up in droves to buy this uh, new campaign content next year. Yeah, definitely. It just doesn't seem viable to be constantly under the thumb to produce a title by a certain expected date just to make it like a yearly drop. Um, yeah, there's a lot of first-person shooters out there now that are just consistently much of muchness the same thing, maybe a new map, maybe a new character. And these games still succeed and still have consistent um, consistent player base um, at, at, at high levels. So I think it's good that they are probably going to just do the whole DLC or extra content to add on to Modern Warfare. Because I, I haven't really played, like, dedicated my time to playing COD in a year or so. Um, uh, I just, I, it's, I get fatigued by it, I guess. I just, it's just, I guess not my thing anymore. Yeah. And it's, it's same, same too, isn't it? Like, I think there is maybe a bit of, 
bit of shooter fatigue. Like we saw, well, you know, Battlefield last year was released broken as hell anyway, but yeah. everyone fell off that really quick. So maybe just letting the market rest and reset and then coming out with the new game in 2024 is a smart play because like, I know war is eternal and people love conflict and shooters and FPS and all that, but like there's only so many fresh stories you can tell that are unlike the 20, like the two decades worth of stories you've already told. Like it feels like it's very same, same, but slightly different all the time. So maybe just breathing for a hot second and then coming back with something completely new and unheard of for the franchise might be a smart play. Yeah. I think, I think that's the smartest choice. Um, Like I don't, ever think i see much of the call of duty fan base asking for fresh like new content and this is gonna sound very close-minded but how much of the new content like i don't think a lot of people play the story i think a lot of the call of duty fan base don't really play the story so it's not like then they feel like they're missing out story wise so would it just be like they just want new maps, they want yeah. new guns, they want new characters kind of thing just to change that up a bit. I assume that that's the only differences that they could honestly ask for. Like I said, I haven't really been a dedicated Call of Duty fan for a while now, so maybe I'm fingers completely off the pulse, but like that to me is probably what the majority of um, Call of Duty players would probably just want just to spice it up. Oh, yeah. Like you can see this this game shifted from the big – blockbuster film type story to multiplayer and then even from the standard traditional tdm and free-for-all modes and stuff like that into warzone like warzone seems to be it's golden goose these days because they release new seasons and with that new skins and new battle passes so people are just death by a thousand cuts in there where they're just like little purchase here little purchase there want that new skin (laughs) want that new gun skin or that new animation Mm -hmm. and that's where they're making all that money so focusing on that um and, and maybe just breaking away that content to be its own standalone thing where they then just every couple of years release a single player expansion that ties into it like maybe it just becomes the call of duty universe and they just release seasonal content where it's a campaign from here and then a campaign from there and then a new map for Warzone and whatever else. And then you got Snoop Dogg collabing in there and you got bloody Terminator and <laughs> you know, John McClane and all these people from, from pop culture of, of now and yesteryear, just all making their way into these, this game and this franchise. And that's, that's where the, where the money's to be made. And I think that's what they're starting to realize. Let's just shift focus and make cool, memorable breakaway little, little expansions and moments. Yeah. I, I think so too. It's yeah. It's a moneymaker. Yeah. I'm very curious to see what the next crazy collab would, would be with uh, Call of Duty. Like the most recent ones, obviously, yeah, we had the, the 80s action stars. We had the, yeah. the Godzilla and Kong collab and then we had some Terminator stuff. But like what's the next What's the next big thing they do? I'm trying to think like what, what's, um, what's relevant, but no, they wouldn't really do like horror stuff, would they? Have they? Maybe they have. Well, they, I've well they've done it. like it makes sense to like even weave that into like the zombies mode. Obviously, people love the zombies mode. Yeah. But nothing mentioned, and you know, Halloween's two and a bit weeks away. So yeah, you, you think they would have announced now. something now? Yeah. Mm. Very, very interesting. But uh, yeah, if you don't want to wait for that premium expansion of Call of Duty dropping in 2023, don't worry because we got you all covered. 
new releases and events. As far as new podcasts to consume this week, we've got a brand new cocktail club making its way to the 8-Bit Cast RSS feed, as well as a brand new Bytecast recorded live from the PAX Oz 2022 show floor. That also saw the return of Jack Cruz to the microphone. He hasn't been on a podcast in I don't know how many years and we dragged him and NATO as well as myself and Jono into the Audio Technica booth at PAX to record an episode where we tackled the, in air quotes, world's hottest chip, which, uh, you know, had some mixed results. That's all I'm going to say, but check that out on the <laughs> Bytecast RSS feed this coming week to see how that all played out for your uh, chip combatants there. As far as new things coming to the small screen this coming week, Love is Blind Season 3 on Netflix, VHS 99 coming to Shudder. Very, very great um, horror universe they're doing there with VHS. Very highly recommended. And The Peripheral is dropping on Prime, and that's done by the creators of the Westworld TV show. So it's got some nice, cool, like, genre-bending science fiction-y vibes going on. As far as what's happening on the big screen here... Barbarian's been out in America and a lot of the other world for a little while, but it's making its way to the Australian screens this week, as well as Black Adam, which oh. seems to be reviewing okay from what I've seen, unless I've just seen selective lines that The Rock has shared only on socials or something. Yeah, well, apparently he's been spoiling it, so watch out <laughs> what you uh, like ingest when it comes to whatever The Rock's putting out, because apparently he's the one that's been spoiling the movie. So What a son of a bitch! Yeah. <laughs> But who's going to, like, no one's going to tell him off. Like, he's too big to be sort of reprimanded. But, yeah, it's kind of silly to uh, to spoil the movie that you're in that's not even out yet. How much, how, how often do you think his drink appears in the movie? I'm going to say three times. I'm going to say three, three? times. Three? Okay, I think three is fair. I think three is a good number. Yeah, yeah. Because it is every, any time he's on a screen, that tequila is right there. Oh, yeah. Have you tried tequila? it yet? I know you're a tequila. Is it an energy drink? Oh, well, he's got a tequila brand as well. Oh, oh you're yeah. thinking. That, that he's a little energy drink, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, well, I'm going to say collectively three of his tequila or his energy drink. We're going to see th- yeah. three three sightings of those. Yeah, I think that's fair. I didn't know he did tequila, but I'm finding out over here that every celebrity has a tequila and you should stay away from it. His is apparently really good. But I don't know how much of that is just the, the rock marketing machine. But yeah. you got to give it a try. It's called Terra Mana, I think. And it looks like I'm not a tequila guy. I'll drink it. But like my palate can't really distinguish between good and great tequila. I can't remember the name of it, but I'll show you. Like I'll send you a link of um, one of the best tequilas that I've been drinking lately. That sounds, makes me sound like an alcoholic. But every time <laughs> with the cocktail party and all that sort of stuff, there's this one tequila and it's just the most unassuming bottle. It looks like cheap and like like you're like what the hell is this? But it's really really good. I've got to find out what the name is and I'll send you okay. the link. Yeah, no, I'd be keen to see that because yeah, my my palate hasn't fully learned to appreciate tequila. Had some big bad tequila sunrise nights back in my late teens, early twenties, and oh, I haven't really embraced sunrise. it since. Fuck, oh, I can't, I can't do, I can't. For many reasons, I can't do any kind of alcohol and uh, orange juice anymore. Feckle, feckle. All right, so I'm very curious about Blackout. I'm going to try and watch it between now and next episode just to see if it's okay and if it's not. And yeah, I loved, I saw a tweet from him this morning where he says he, he, he ultimately wants to try and uh, bring the DC and Marvel universes together for a film. I'm like, 
This isn't Fast and Furious, buddy. Yeah. Like, power to you and your sheer amount of celebrity status, but I don't think that's ever happening. Yeah. Ever. As far as games coming out this week, it is a big, big week for game releases. So we've got a yeah. Plague Tale Requiem dropping, Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed, which looks like a fun little uh, you know squad-based Ghostbusters game. Mm-hmm. Them's Fighting Herds coming out this week. <laughs> Uncharted Legacy of Thieves Collection dropping on the PC. Batora Lost Haven coming out. Myra plus Rabid Sparks of Hope on the Switch. Norco Second Extinction is uh, Second Extinction. Uh, second Extinction <laughs> is moving out of early access into the full release, and that's obviously on Xbox and PC. Jackbox Party Pack Nine. They're up to nine Jackboxes now. That is Gosh, out. They're good. <laughs> yeah, they are great. Vampire Survivors moving out of early access as well this week. Gotham Knights coming out as well new tales from the borderlands and persona 5 royal which is obviously making its way to uh current gen platforms too so a huge amount of games there mm. a lot of big heavy hitters i'm going to hopefully have some preliminary thoughts on a plague tale this coming week as well and uh, we're looking to try and do spoiler cast for that as well in the coming week or two also but holy guacamole there's some games there yeah, like unfortunately there's been a few that kind of the wind in my sails has kind of gone now. I'm just going to give an honourable mention to Norco. Um, that was a point-and-click adventure that I think still released this year, but it's it's been described as a southern gothic point-and-click narrative adventure. So um, uh, for anyone that is a fan of that genre, I, like, I'm always a fear about whenever it goes to consoles, when point-and-clicks go to consoles, but... It, it it got great reviews and narratively and like subject matter. So um, definitely, if you're into that sort of stuff, maybe give it a look. See if it's your thing. Mm, sounds good. And I have no idea what them's fighting herds is, but I've got an that understanding name. of the title. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like it would be dumb, raucous, farm-based combaty fun. Gosh, you'd hope so. Mm. And if if it's not, I'm very disappointed. But plenty of games coming out this week, and obviously Plague Tale Requiem dropping on Game Pass as well. So that's that's my keep on your list this week and play it the second you can because first one phenomenal, sequel looks great, and I'm going to be diving into that over the weekend and seeing what it's all about. So uh, yeah, let's go. Yeah. <clears throat> but Miss Hart, that brings us to the end of THG 303. Y'all got anything else you want to shout out before we close this sucker down? Yeah, uh, and Overwatch, everyone, endorse your fucking healers. Um, yeah. I just want to give that out, get that out. Some people have been good, but other times I'm like, guys, you know, we're here. We're helping. You, yeah. might not, you might not be seeing it, but we're out there helping. That's it. Support is the straw that stirs the drink, gamers. And really without does. them, you'd be fucked. <laughs> like, we're going to make really that are. a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming soon to shop8bit.net. Check it out. But also check out shop8bit.net oh, yeah. because we've got some great merchandise over there. Some of the best in the biz there. So shop8bit.net for the best merch. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe. Us and all the other podcasts you listen to on the regular because those ratings and reviews help keep the emotional lights on in our hearts. But until next time, 8-Bit Nation, I think it's our time to get on out of here. But for mm. now, much love. And stay hungry. You've been listening to The Hungry Gamers, one of many gaming and geek culture-related podcasts from the 8-Bit Collective over on 8bit.net. Check out more episodes on your podcast service of choice. And while you're there, please be sure to rate and subscribe. Until next time, boys and girls, stay hungry.